everybody and welcome to episode 368 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Thank you Jeffrey and uh, we're doing it a bit differently today. We're both actually in the same room. We're allowed to be in the same room so uh, so things are looking up. They are indeed. It's, it's good isn't it? And um, the only problem is Alois that you know, my great jokes book happens to be, you know, back home. Oh, so maybe we'll get some good ones today then. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I know good jokes anyway, Alice. Here's one for you. Yeah, go. What kind of tea is hard to swallow? I don't know, Jeff. Reality. <laughs> like when I beat you when we were playing table tennis before. Yeah. No, that didn't actually happen. But Are you sure yeah. you didn't get that out of your uh, joke book? <laughs> ah, nice one. And Alice. Yes, Jen. Why did the frog take the bus to work today? It's not a working day, Jeff. Why would he? <laughs> no, he couldn't because his car got towed away. <laughs> uh, so you need a joke book when you're just funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny and strange or? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, let's let's talk about what happened on this week, Alois, because I think there's some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, well, on this week um, we got uh, we got an interesting one this week, and it's uh, it, the 18th of March is Mitch Seidenfeld's birthday. So now, a lot of you will be asking, who is Mitch Seidenfeld? Well, he's a gold medalist. He's uh, at uh, international level. He actually won the Paralympic. Uh, singles gold medal um, way back in 1992. So, uh, yeah, he was a gold medalist in the Paralympic uh, Class 8 men's singles. And um, the I guess the other interesting part, though, is that his son now, yeah. just recently in Tokyo, won a gold medal in the Class 6 Paralympics. Like so, father, like son. Like father, like son. So it was pretty emotional, and um, and uh, Mitch was coaching his son on the sidelines during the during the match, and uh, yeah, it was uh, big celebration scenes after um, his son Ian won the gold medal uh, in Tokyo. Has that ever happened before? I don't. I can't recall it. It's uh, it's pretty pretty special for for two. Uh, Paralympic gold medals from the same family, and uh, father and son is uh, is pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah, huge huge story in uh, in table tennis. Amazing. Well, happy birthday, Mitch. Yep. So uh, I just have to work out how old Mitch is because he's he is he is getting on a bit old, Mitch. Um, he was born in uh, on the eighteenth of March, nineteen sixty three, Jeff. So fifty nine, I imagine. Fifty nine. That's older than me, Jeff. That's <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, so happy birthday, Mitch, um, for your 59th birthday. My goodness. My goodness. There you go. Oh, dear. All right. Well, Alois, that brings us on to the tip of the week. What have you got for us? Yeah, well, the tip of the week this week is just thinking about what your, how you want to play a game. So, you know, thinking about what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and try to find out what you or or how you're going to win points so i often see players you know they go out there and they don't really have a game plan or game idea or have something that they really chase after as far as you know what they're trying to win points with you know sometimes they might uh 
you know, uh, defend. Sometimes they might attack. Sometimes they might, you know, do this, do that. And, you know, against each player, um, they tend to be a little bit lost. So, yeah. So is it a problem to be a bit of an all-rounder, though? No, I I think being an all-rounder is okay. But as long as you are an all-rounder, you know, but you still... And being an all-rounder, then, is how you're winning points because you are changing things up all the time. But I see... Um, you know, some players that don't have a great defence, you know, ending up um, being on the defensive a lot in a match situation, you know. Mm. And so they're not really planning how they're trying to win their points. They're not planning their serves, their returns to try to gain the attack first. So um, is this something you should think about in training and then take to a match? Yeah, def- definitely something to think about in training. And, and think about, um, you know, then, as you say, take it to matches. But then, you know, over time... Um, it's a it's really a matter of you working out what is the best way for you to win points and how do you actually win points in matches. Mm, interesting. So you might think you're a great attacker, but you win a lot of points from blocking. That's right. And, or uh, vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you might be a, an attacker, but you, you push long or you serve long all the time, So which means that you're allowing your opponent to attack first. So, yeah, so just uh, think about how you want to win points and then start to go about in training trying to work out ways to set up uh, your points so that you're utilizing your strengths or the things that you think that you you can win the most points from and so the tactics you use in a game should reflect your playing style exactly that's right nice great tip of the week i like it now um before we before we are we're going to talk about that a bit later there's a question related to that alloys but before we get on to those questions, I want to talk about the Singapore Grand Smash. Yes, so Singapore Grand Smash is on right now. So this is the first Grand Smash that they've had. Um, you know, they've uh, it, it's a bit of a, a concept that they that the World Table Tennis um, has come up with. Uh, they want to have you know four Grand Smashes. You know, I think in line with uh, the Grand Slams of tennis. I like the idea. I'm still not a big fan of the name, no. Smash, but uh, the idea is great. So, yeah. you know, call it what you want. I'm happy if it's go with Smash, but yeah. the concept is great. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think Grand Smash, yeah, we need, we need a bit of work there. But anyway, um, but it's, it's definitely attracted a really strong field in both the men's and women's singles. So in the women's singles, we've got uh, Sun Ying Shah, who's now the number one in the world at, at the top of the draw. And we've also got Chen Ming um, in there. You know, other players like um, uh, Wang Yi Di from China, Du Hoi Kim, um, Wang Man Yu. Um, we've also got... Um, uh, Any uh, Japanese players? Yu Shi Wen. Oh, yes, yeah, strong. So Yushi China, Wen. big presence. Yeah, Hina Hayata's there. Um, so, yeah, so no, it's a, it's a really, really strong field. Um, so good to see that the the women's uh, women's field is uh, is strong. Um, when we're doing the show, we're up to the round of thirty two. Um, you know, by the time uh, the show's published, um, get on and have a look at uh, where we're up to in the um, in the in the grand smash um, of table tennis in Singapore. Um, and men's singles also, you know, well we've got Fan Zendong and. We've got Ma Long playing. Oh, he couldn't play the World Championships. No, so this is actually a stronger event. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it definitely definitely harder to win the Singapore Grand Smash than the Worlds this year. And like you said, it's a good field, isn't it? Ma Long versus Aruna. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So Lin Yun Ju is in there. Liam Pitchford, I saw. Yeah, Pitch. Um, Liang Jin Kun, the, um, the, the younger Chinese player. Timo Boll is, is he still, still playing. He is still there, still playing. What was it? What was it? Wasn't it his birthday the other day? How old was yeah, he? I don't know. 41 old. or something. Yeah. Um, uh, Nana Sakran from India. Um, and the, I guess the big upset early on in the first round was that Kanak Jar, the American, has beaten Harry Moto 3-1 in round one. So uh, Massive victory. Yeah, Harry Moto, a bit of a dip, you know, I think mm. since since, uh, since Tokyo. Well, he didn't really get the results he was looking for in Tokyo. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he can pick himself up. I mean... How old is he? He's still he's still really young. Um, <laughs> he is, yes. Um, you know, we sort of think of him as being around forever and, and a veteran, but uh, he's still a very young player. Well, you mentioned Timmy Ball's 41, so he's still got more than 20 years. That's right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, to uh, to get some results on the board. But, um, yeah, and I think... Um, we do put a lot of pressure on these young players. I think we can give him a, a little bit of a break. A little bit of a break, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, Lin Yunju is there, one of my other favourites. Um, so uh, let's have a look. And, and Wang Chu Chin, the other um, beautiful left hander that uh, from China as well. So he he uh, if he beats uh, Liam Pitchford next round, and Ma Long beats Aruna, they'll uh, uh, Wang, mm. Wang Chu Chin and Ma Long will face up against each other pretty early on. So yeah, so good um, good feels, um, singles, doubles um, events. So. Really, um, you know, if you can get on there at the moment, you can watch watch them on uh, the WTT um, YouTube channel. So jump on and have a look. There you go. And I noticed uh, Falk. Uh, yes. Made lost first round. He made the final of the Worlds a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hard to hard to replicate those results, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, he went down to Wang Chu Chin in the first round. So yeah, Matthias Falk. Hard first round. Yeah, <laughs> tough. Tough draws, <laughs> um, uh, but Truls Morengard, the uh, the young Swedish boy who just uh, just came runner up in the worlds, is through to the second round, and he gets comes up against Benedict Duda. Got a reasonable sort of draw, Duda. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he might come up against his countryman uh, Christian Carlson um, in the uh, in the round of sixteen. Yeah, so good to see the Swedes back. Would you yeah. like to see another Swedish champion, or you just stick with Waldner? Oh, Walton's, <laughs> Walton's all right, um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's it's just good to see uh, just the depth of talent um, still in uh, in table tennis. Yes, all right. Well, that's exciting. So check out the Singapore Smash. Uh, but now, Alois, that brings us on to the questions. Excellent. All right, now we've got a really good question from Spinny, who says um, when he gets short, short balls, he likes to flick them, and when the balls are long, he can top spin them. But however, there's these mid-length balls that are difficult. They're kind of too long to flick because it's not close enough to the net, but just over the table, so we can't really loop them. What yeah. do you do with this type of ball? Yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a tough type of ball. Yeah, we we tend, we we call it the mid-length ball or the half-long ball, um, and it's where that second bounce on your side of the table is going to be really close to your end line. So it's a matter of you know being able to try to pick up. Um, Am I going to push it, or if, it, if that second bounce does actually come off the end of the table, can I get in there and top spin it? Um, so, Spinny, the the key really is about tracking that ball really early and picking up the line of the ball as early as you can. If you can pick up the line of the ball early, 
that half long ball is still going to bounce quite short on the table. So you can come in and still flick that ball um, close to the net, or you can push the ball close to the net um, if you pick it up early. If you let it go um, late, and then that second bounce is really close to the end line, then it makes it really awkward. So then, then you need to you know push that ball um, and makes it makes it difficult. Probably if you do get caught in that situation, so the probably the your best option in that situation is to really push that ball deep and fast and just try to make it as difficult as possible for the for the server. I try and get a lot of backspin on it, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Or you know, just just try to utilize your wrist, try to mm. get a bit of deception. But yeah, once you get stuck there, like against a good quality player, basically, oh, you're you're going to be in a whole lot of whole lot of pain because they're going to be able to attack that next ball. So is it just practicing getting to learn to pick up this line of the ball and where it's going to bounce? Um, Or is there anything you can do? Like, is there anything you can watch or any cues to look out for? It is practice, but it's it's watching the ball really carefully during practice and then obviously during your matches as well. So, you know, you've really got to track that ball, um, you know, all the way from when they throw the ball up uh, watch the racket during the service swing and then really watch that ball. So you're trying to pick up the speed of the ball. You're trying to pick up the spin on the ball. You're trying to pick up the uh, the length of the ball. Um, and all of those things will come together to give you the clue as to whether that ball is going to be short, long or that awkward half long ball. So it's really a matter of, um, you know, watching um, that and just practicing it as much as possible, you know, practice against um, that length of ball um, as often as you can. Yeah, excellent. All right, thanks for that question, Spinny. Um, yeah, hopefully that helps you out. Um, so really track that ball closely. All right, uh, next up is a question from the great man Jeff. What a name. Yes. <laughs> and now Jeff has changed his playing style recently and probably because he had a bit of a shoulder injury so um he switched to a a a more controlled inverted rubber on the backhand and started defending and to his surprise he did quite well so jeff really wants to know when do you commit to a play style to a change in your playing style and you know should he go back now that his um shoulder is better yeah so jeff i think you know the first thing is um have a think about whether that playing style, you know, really suits you. Um, now, if your shoulder's better, you know, then try to um, play around a little bit. See if see if you can utilise that same rubber, perhaps, and you might be able to combine uh, the the good parts of what you were doing previously. Um, you know, you said you had a good backhand uh, topspin opener, but that um, thinner rubber was also helping you with that control and the defensive part of your game. So. So let's think about, you know, we talked about playing style earlier on. Think about how you can really win points, you know. what What's the key for you winning points? If it's um, about your defence or your control of the ball, then I think stick with that thinner um, rubber. Remembering that with that thinner rubber, you can still also make a, a topspin ball, you know. So as long as it's got a good grippy surface on it, even if it's a 1.3 mil um, sponge, you can still topspin the ball well, um, and it might even just suit your your um, attack with the back end a little bit more. So um, yeah, so I'd I'd say firstly stick with that uh, rubber that you're using. Think about how can you um, utilize the the 
best of both worlds, you know, the, the defense and also making the attack um, as well. Um, as long as that's the way that you think that you can win the most points. Mm, good advice and great question, Jeff. And Jeff actually gets the award also for comment of the week because he said, I tried long pips, but that was catastrophic and broke my brain a bit. <laughs> I think long pips can do that to quite a few people, can't Yeah, it can do it to uh, players using long pips, but can also do it to players playing against long pips. So, yes, we've had uh, many, many... Uh, Pingskiller write into us saying, oh, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going on against long pips. So, yes. Indeed. All right. Great question, Jeff. All right. Next up is a question from Samuel, and he wants to know, he's just curious, when, uh, what year was the celluloid ball last used? And so when was the plastic balls officially introduced? Yeah. So it, I, I had to go and research this because my memory for dates is pretty bad, but, um, but the... They started using the, the, the plastic ball, sorry, in 2014 um, and moved away from the celluloid ball then. So that's eight years ago now, Jeff. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, yeah, the, um, you know, the, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, conjecture, I, s I suppose, especially early on. Yeah. Because those, those initial um, plastic balls were pretty awful, weren't they? They, yeah, uh, they used to break a lot and they, yep. they didn't bounce all that well and, um, you know, they bounced a little bit different. But now I think players don't even know the difference anymore. No, and a lot of players now would have only ever used plastic balls. Yeah, eight years, that's right. You know, I mean, uh, a 15-year-old has probably only ever used plastic balls for most of their life, and even a 20-year-old, you know, for most, yeah. of their, most of their playing time, they've used the plastic ball, so... So yeah. you don't hear anything really negative about it anymore, do you? No, and the quality of the ball is really good now. Yeah. You know? So the, the 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 roundness, the hardness, the um, the consistency of bounce and everything is is you know I mean you just don't you just don't have problems anymore. Um, and um, you know and then they're using them at Olympics and Paralympic level, and you know I I, I know I saw at the Paralympics and. And the quality of the balls they used there was great. You know, when yeah. before the match, you've got to go and choose, um, you know, choose a couple of balls out of the, the, the tub. And, yeah, you very rarely find a bad one. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, yes. interesting. Yeah. Go back and look eight years ago. Thanks for that question, Samuel. All right, now, Morris has a question for us. He, now, he says that he's found some research that seems to indicate that it takes like 10 hours of practicing one skill to train your brain to have good muscle memory. Um, and so he wants to know, should you combine that with other activities? And he heard that the Chinese teach young kids just to practice one stroke for three months. Yeah, well, for me, Morris, um, I, I like to combine strokes really early on. Um, because I think, and especially for kids, if you start to get them to just play one stroke, firstly, they're going to be bored out of their brains. Yeah. And they're, they're probably not going to come back on, on session three. Um, if you've got them playing four hands for an hour on session one and an hour on session two, <laughs> um, you may never see them again. Um, so I think um, that's, that's a real, really key ingredient. We talked a little bit about this in one of our podcasts mm. recently. Um, about you know just make, making sure that you're keeping things fun for, for kids as well. Um, but I think the other thing is that when you are teaching or learning one stroke in isolation, you're just not um, learning the transitions into that stroke. 
So, you mm. know, so if you're playing forehands repeatedly, then you're basically playing a forehand and recovering from a forehand position all the time. So if you're, if you're um, only doing that, then once you get to a stage where you're um, playing from a backhand or, or transitioning from a backhand to a forehand, it's a completely different movement, almost completely different stroke uh, that you're trying to learn. So, you know, if you've spent that whole time just practicing forehands, You've only practiced one very small part of forehands, so uh, yeah. yeah. And interesting, I was just reading recently, Alloys. Um, Paul Ruse is like a famous AFL or Australian Football League coach here in Australia. So a lot of people overseas probably never heard of him, but he was a very successful coach. And one of the things he wrote down as a key point was that training should be game related. So if you're just playing forehand, it's not really like a game. Like in a game, you've got to mix all those strokes together, just like you were talking about then. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you know, if if you if you go out and your career is playing forehand to forehand games, then I would practice your forehand in isolation <laughs> a lot. But um, most of us are going to be in a situation where we're we the, our opponents allowed to play the ball anywhere on the table. Um, so you know, it's really a matter of starting to practice your strokes in combination as early as you can so that you can start to uh, um, integrate that into your into your game situation. Yeah, yeah. So great question, Morris, and, and it's good that you're thinking about this type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of the big things that, uh, that old Dr. Ross Pinder is, um, is very keen on as well, so. Um, yes, excellent. All right, well, thanks for uh, answering all those questions, Alloys. Now, because I'm here, Alois, also, I don't have my OMG calendar or my uh, new... What was, what's the new thing? Oh, I don't know what that is, Jeff. <laughs> I tried to blot it out. But I have found a an interesting fact for you here. Oh, okay. Yes. Yep. And that is that dolphins sleep with one eye open. They do not. It's true. They I do. found it on the internet, so it must be true. Surely not. Why would they sleep with one eye open, Jeff? Well, they're known to be one of the smartest animals on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, So don't, don't they know it's time to sleep? <laughs> Go to sleep with two eyes closed? Apparently, researchers have tested whether this half sleep, because they're only like half sleep, because one eye open negatively impacts the animal's alertness during the day, but have found that even after five days of having their nocturnal alertness constantly tested, they've remained as alert and perceptive as ever. Wow, there you go. And yeah. so I guess they don't get eaten as 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 often at night then. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> one eye open. Yeah, so isn't that interesting? They, they, it's a neat trick. They maintain partial consciousness even as part of their brain sleeps. Wow. I think that's me just normally. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you're just sleep most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's... I, 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 I think maybe you should just get onto the internet a bit more rather than that other thing that you use. What, what is that other thing called? Again? Is it an almanac? Almanac, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. You know what else I watched recently was Back to the Future. That is a great film. And in that he goes into the future. Well, this is Back to the Future 2. Grabs the sports almanac and then goes back and someone steals it and starts knowing all the results so they become really rich. Oh. The almanac. Back to the Future, another bad film. Oh, best film of all time. What, better than Star Wars? 1.21 gigawatts! <laughs> <laughs>
Better than Star Wars? Definitely. Really? Yeah. Star Wars is good. No, Star Wars is bad. But I had... I had that sort of, you know, power. I, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure whether Star Wars was above. No, no, Back to the Future's Back better. To the Future. yeah. Back to the Future's better. Yeah, oh, but definitely yeah. the original. Not Back to the Future Three. That's not better. No good. No, Return of the Jedi is better than Back to the Future Three. Right. Definitely. So, so like, they sort of mix in a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. is, is Star Wars? Is there a Star Wars one? <laughs> is Star Wars one better than? Well, you know, no, Star Wars one is no good because it was the new Star Wars stuff. So, Star Wars Episode Four was the original Star Wars. What Episode, episode Four? Yeah. What are you talking? What are you even talking episode about? Episode Four was the original Star Wars. Then there was Empire Strikes Back, which was Episode Five, and Return of the Jedi was six. Then. Years later, like 20 years later, they went back and made 1, 2, and 3, which were no good. No, they didn't. And then they, they finally didn't. did The Force Awakens 7, which was good because they kind of brought back all the nostalgic you things. Can't go, you can't do number one after you do number five. I know. Well, see, this is where it gets weird. If you look up now, there's a whole order that you should watch things in, apparently. Not the original. Yeah, order. I know the order. <laughs> I, know, I, I know the order. You put them all in the bin. And I never watched them. Oh, dear. All right, well, again... If you're still listening, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. And of course, thank you, Alice, for those words of wisdom about table tennis, not about movies. No. <laughs> I have no wisdom about movies, Jeff. <laughs> uh, no, thank you, uh, all you listeners out there. And uh, I hope we can help you with your table tennis games a little bit each time. And uh, don't forget to utilize the website and uh, jump on the Ask the Coach. Um, section and uh, ask me anything you like about table tennis. There you go, pingskills.com. All right, thanks everyone. Catch you next week. Bye.